Well, it's been a, uh, a few Wednesday nights now since we've been in the Psalms, and we're not going to go to the Psalms tonight. We are in Psalm 102 as far as the order of things, um, but I was, uh, was not able to get that pulled together. We uh, had a little bit of a different week this week, and so I want to go to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. If you're, uh, if you're in the habit of reading the Psalms before we get there on Wednesday night, I would encourage you to stick with Psalm 102. It's a great Psalm. One of the reasons I wanted to wait is I did not want to rush through it. Um, so we're going to be looking at 1 Thessalonians 4. Mentioned yesterday, or I mentioned uh, a few minutes ago that yesterday we had uh, Joyce Bell's funeral, and so I've been thinking about um, death and thinking about what all accompanies that and what that means for the Christian. And, uh, you know, one of the things that is a distinct, um, really is a, is a mark of distinction between a Christian and an unbeliever is the way that we view death, the way that we even move toward death, the way that we acknowledge death as far as uh, those who have gone on and those our loved ones and friends who have died, and, um, we can at one, you know, can at the same time uh, grieve and mourn the loss of a loved one. But, but for a Christian who has a biblical view of death, we look at death with hope. Um, we look at death as something that is moving us closer and closer, and really, death is the doorway into our face-to-face fellowship with Jesus Christ and with the Father who predestined that from all eternity. And so death really is a, is a bit of a graduation. Well, there's many facets of death that we can think about, many things that we can anticipate. In First Thessalonians chapter 4, I want to start reading in verse 13, make my way down to the end of the chapter, and, and then make some... Uh, Make some comments here about our understanding what Paul has to say. 1 Thessalonians 4, verse 18. Paul says, But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that you sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with Him. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord Himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. So in this passage, really just a small collection of verses here, Paul addresses what it means for saints who die before the second coming of Christ. He gives a very sweet picture here of what that is. But he also talks about the hope that we have as we anticipate the second coming of Jesus Christ and the resurrection of believers' bodies. I mean, the, the just and the unjust will, will be 
raised from the dead. But here particularly, he's focusing on the resurrection of those who are in Christ, who will be called out of the grave and those that are still here and alive, who will meet them in the air and will be with Christ forever. So several points from this passage that I want to think about um, tonight as we think about the hope that we have um, even in death. The hope that we have in death. Um, Number one, Paul says in this passage that there is information about death, the death of a child of God that is available to every Christian that which when it's embraced produces hope and comfort. Okay? There's, there's, there, is re, there is a reality for every Christian. The Lord has revealed this information, these facts to every Christian, every individual who is in Christ. And when we embrace this and we rest in this, it doesn't mean that, that there's no pain. It doesn't mean that there's no sadness or no, it doesn't mean any of that. But what it does mean is that we can, we can move forward and we can look at death in the eye with hope and we can take comfort even in the midst of difficulties as we think about losing loved ones and friends. One of the really sweet parts about this passage, at least to me, is that whenever Paul talks about those who are, who are dead or those who have died, the word picture that Paul uses is the picture of those who are asleep in Jesus. Okay, those who are dead, Paul views as those who are asleep in Jesus. Verse 14, uh, Paul refers to them also which sleep in Jesus. That's the wording that he uses. Verse 16, he lets us know that he's really referring to those who are uh, dead in Christ. But think about that picture. Think about that picture. Those who are asleep in Christ. Those who are asleep in Jesus. Um, It's not a scary picture. It's not a morbid picture. It's not a picture that... that, um, leads to any horrific thoughts. It's really a sweet picture of a, of a child, maybe, in his mother's arms. It's a, it's a picture of, I mean, the picture's right there. It's, it's, it's a picture of rest, of comfort, of care, of protection. Paul says those who are asleep in Christ. Those who are asleep in Jesus. That's the word picture he uses. And then Paul says, thirdly, and these are all kind of preliminary remarks before we look at the passage. That when Christ returns for the second coming, that those who are asleep in Him will return with Him. Isn't that something? That, that in the second coming, when the trump of God sounds and the dead in Christ arise, they will be with Him. So they're present with Him now. Okay, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And they will relocate with Him later during the second coming whenever He ushers in the new heavens and the new earth. 
couple of other points of comfort from this verse. You've, you've heard me bring these up, but I think they're worth bringing up many times as we think about death and the hope that we have, even in the face of death. Paul makes it clear here that we will see our loved ones again who die in Christ. As a matter of fact, that's really part of the greater point that Paul's making in this passage. This is not a passage that's just supposed to be a proof text about the fact that Christ is going to come again. That's certainly here. But Paul here is saying, I don't want you to be ignorant about this fact that those who are dead or those who are asleep in Christ, you will one day be reunited with them in Christ when he comes back for the second coming. But he goes even further, I think, I think from an implications perspective, not only will we see our loved ones again, the question has been asked, um, you know, are we going to recognize, will we know, will we remember who they were, will we know who they were? Some people have said no, that when we get to heaven, we'll have no memory of anything that happened on earth, we'll have no memory of... of uh, those who have died and gone on before us. I, I don't think that's you can get that from this passage. Paul's saying, I want you to comfort yourselves with this, that those who are asleep now, you will be reunited with then. And so the question really begs itself, how comforting would it be if Paul was saying, take comfort because your loved one who you died now, you'll have no idea who they are when they come back. Okay? They'll look like everybody else and you won't recognize anybody. That's, that makes no sense with the passage. Now we have other texts in Scripture that would point us in that direction. Um, so in Mark chapter 9, verses 4 and 5 on the Mount of Transfiguration, you remember that Peter recognizes um, Moses and Isaiah, he recognizes two people that he had never seen before. He had no idea what they looked like. He had read about them. He knew their, their, their person as far as their character. But he sees these two men and he immediately knows who they are. And so one of the hopes that we have as a Christian is that one of these days, not only are we going to see Jesus Christ face to face, we're going to be reunited with our loved ones face to face. We're going to have fellowship with people that we've read about and studied about in Scripture our whole lives. You'll recognize David. You'll recognize Moses. You'll sit down and talk to him. Okay? You'll know Abraham and you'll know the, 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 the heroes of the faith that we read about in our Old Testament and New Testament for that matter. And then as far as the order of things, the way this passage is laid out, it says that the dead in Christ are going to receive their resurrected bodies first, and then those who are alive are going to join them in the air. And then the way to the passage is this, we will spend the rest of eternity with Jesus Christ. Now, I want you to think about, number one, who could have ever come up with that? I mean, had God not revealed this to us, who would have stumbled upon this 
on their own? The answer is nobody. Nobody. Um, if, you, if you look at alternative views of what happens when we die and what all the, 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 the meaning that goes behind that from a secular, unbelieving world, you can come up with a whole lot of things, none of which bring any comfort at all, and most of which makes zero sense. I've got a friend that I went to high school with who's an unbeliever now, and he has uh, some form of brain cancer, and um, he has been hanging on for a while. And, and I saw one day he was posting something about death, and, and the comfort that he had was that really his life wasn't really life. He was just a ball of energy, and so energy can't be created or destroyed. So when he dies, his, he'll just be an invisible energy, and his wife can take comfort in the fact that his energy is still on earth. Isn't that sweet? Right? It doesn't make any sense, does it? There's no hope in that. There's no, there's no comfort in that. Um, but left to ourselves, those are the kinds of things that we would grasp at. Those are the kinds of things that we would try to lay hold of. Well, Paul says, I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren. I would not have you to be ignorant concerning them which are asleep or concerning them which are dead. And so here's a few things as far as leaps from the passage and from other passages. Number one, um, while we do not know everything about what it means to be asleep in Jesus, we do know enough to have hope. We do know enough to have hope. Okay, there's a lot of things about death that's mysterious. A lot of things that we just don't know. Um, but we know enough about it to be able to look at death with hope. Look in Revelation 14. In Revelation 14, verse 13, John says, I heard a voice from heaven saying unto me, Right, blessed are the dead which die in the Lord from henceforth. Yea, saith the Spirit, that they may rest from their labors and their works do follow them. This is one of the things that John saw whenever the Lord blessed him to see that revelation and and one of the things that he heard, and it was this, John, make sure you write this down. Blessed are the dead which die in the Lord. Blessed are the dead which die in the Lord. You know what that means? That means that what's waiting on the other side of death for every believer is a tremendous blessing. We don't, death has lost its sting for the believer. We don't have to look in fear. We don't have to look in horror. Again, there are things about the process that are unknown and even some things about um, the, the, the blessings that await us that are unknown. But the, but the truth is what we don't know, or maybe I should say what we will learn, is that we didn't have a big enough picture of what it was that God had in store for us. That it was abundantly more than what we anticipated. And so there's enough to have hope. Now, I'll just, again, I'll just make this point. 
That may not mean much if this is all you've ever heard, especially if you're young. And all you've ever heard is that there's hope on the other side of the grave. There's hope beyond life, that we can look to death with hope. Do you know hope is really one of the chiefest blessings that we possess on this side of heaven? It really is to be able to look into the unknown and to know that Jesus Christ has secured our salvation and whatever else that we don't know, we know that. And he is the captain of that salvation and he's going to pilot me through every season of life and even into the afterlife. So we can move forward with with hope. Now, a couple of other general things here. Look in. Philippians chapter 1. Philippians chapter 1. Philippians 1, 23, Paul says... I'm in a strait betwixt two, having a desire to depart and to be with Christ, which is far better. Nevertheless, to abide in the flesh is more needful for you. Paul says, I'm, I'm, I'm stuck between two desires. On one hand, I want to depart. I want to be with Christ. I'm ready to die. On the other hand, it's more needful right now for me to be with you. And so I want to minister here as well. But notice the, the phrase that we can easily gloss over at the end of verse 23. Paul says, my desire is to depart and to be with Christ, which is far better. That's Paul's description of death. Okay. Far better. Far better than what we have here. And sometimes when we think about that far better, and we think about it comparatively, we can think, yeah, I know that's right. Um, you know, heaven has to be far better than a world full of sin and sorrow. And it does. Heaven has to be far better than the, the mess that we see in our world every day. And it is. But you know, when Paul says it's far better, he's not just saying it's far better than the worst of the worst. Anything's better than that. Paul's saying it's far better than the best experience you have ever had in your life. It's, it's far better than the highest spiritual mountaintop you have ever had. To depart and to be with Christ is far better. It's far better than the closest spiritual friendship you've ever had on earth. It's far better. It's, it's far better than the season of life where you fell madly in love with your spouse. It's far better. Very few seasons that are better than that. Heaven's far better. Far better, far better than enjoying your newborn child. 
again, a very special season. It's far better than that. It's far better than landing your dream job, far, far better than landing your dream house, far better than retirement, far, whatever it is that we put as those things to hit. It's far better, far better. And so to be asleep in Jesus, to depart and to be present with Christ is far better than the best earthly experience you could ever have. And so there's hope for the Christian. We don't, we don't, um, we don't fear death. We move toward death with anticipation. Why? Well, we've mentioned this already, but we'll say it again. 2 Corinthians 5.8 Because to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And the Lord's presence... Brings a multitude of blessings, doesn't it? I mean, that's why you're that's why you're you're faithful to come and to assemble three services a week. Right? We we want to fellowship with the presence of the Lord in a special way. But one of these days you're going to be in God's presence. And you're going to experience the presence of God without any distractions. That would be incredible, won't it? Nothing going by the window that distracts you from the song service or the, the message. Your phones won't distract you. Your weaknesses won't distract you. Your wandering mind and the tasks that you know that need to get done, those aren't going to distract you. One of these days, you're going to be able to, to focus 100% on the beauty of the Lord's presence and the blessings that accompany the presence of God so that you will spend the rest of eternity just trying to get over the fact that you're in the presence of God. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Another thing that we get as far as an understanding of death and what it means to be asleep in Christ. Look in Revelation chapter 6. In Revelation 6, starting in verse 9, it says, And when he had opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of them that were slain for the word of God and for the testimony which they held. And they cried with a loud voice, saying, How long, O Lord, holy and true, dost thou not judge and avenge our blood on them that dwell on the earth? And white robes were given unto every one of them, and it was said unto them that they should rest yet for a little season until their fellow servants also and their brethren that should be killed as they were should be fulfilled. Now, we could say a lot about this, but one of the observations we can take from this text is that those who are asleep in Jesus, those who die in Christ, seem to have some awareness 
of what's going on in heaven and what's going on, what's going, what's happening on earth. You, you hear the question that they're asking: How long until you avenge us? Right, and the answer: We are going to have to wait because there are more who will die the same kind of death before you are avenged, and so you'll have to rest and wait just a little, a little season. Now, what's the what's the point? Well, again. This kind of pushes back against the idea that, uh, and this is an extreme, but the idea that one of these days you're going to die and you're going to go to heaven, and when you get to heaven, you'll get your own cloud and your own harp, and you'll be oblivious to anything, and you'll just be happy just to be happy. Now, I think you're going to be keenly aware of God's plan of redemption. I think you're going to be keenly aware of God's sovereign rule over heaven and earth if we go to heaven before God uh, before the second coming of Christ. I think you're going to be keenly aware of the unfolding purposes and plans of God and how that affects not only what's happening in heaven, but what's happening in earth as well. And so verse 10 of this passage, Revelation 6, again, just by observation, we will speak with God. Can you believe that? We'll have an audience with Him. We will speak with Him and and again, it seems like we're going to have an awareness of time and, and, and even live in the anticipation of the second coming of Christ and the bodily resu- resurrection and the final judgment. At least that's what these people are, are waiting for. That's what they're thinking about. And so as we wait on the fullness of redemption to be complete, we'll be waiting with God. Maybe even asking God for updates. I mean, essentially, Revelation 6, I don't want to make it silly, but essentially they're saying, are we there yet? Are we there yet? Is it time? So they're aware. If this is an indication of what it's like for those who die in Christ before the second coming, then to be asleep in Christ is a season of rest. Seems to be how it's described here. It's a season of rest as we wait for the fulfillment of God's purposes and God's plans. So, brothers and sisters, we could say a lot more about this as far as 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, 3 through 18. But for the Christian, we can anticipate death with hope. And we can view the death of our loved ones with hope, knowing that to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord and to be present with Christ is far better than anything that we could ever experience. The best of things that we could ever experience here on earth. And for us to enter through the gates of death really is to take possession of the full inheritance that we've been given through our Lord Jesus Christ, which is unhindered fellowship with Him and God the Father and God the Holy Spirit for eternity. And so, my prayer is that will give comfort and that will bless you as you go back. You review First Thessalonians three through, I'm sorry, four, uh, thirteen through eighteen, and you think of the hope that we have. We think about what it means to be asleep in Christ. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that um, that we can look at such a 
what can be such a difficult subject, such a dreaded subject, such a, uh, uh, a subject that the world would, would avoid and, and in many ways just want to forget about. But Father, as we bury our loved ones and as we anticipate death for ourselves, we do that with hope, knowing that it's just the beginning of our full possession of the inheritance that we've received through Christ. And so, Father, I pray that you would bless these things to be comforting. I pray that you would bless these things to stir our hearts to hope. And I pray that we would keep these things in remembrance and we would be able to retrieve them uh, when we need them. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.